Hey there, folks. Welcome to another edition of the Bucky Cast. John joining you. El Jefe looking on behind me. Corey Hart. The bo- I saved the bottle ninja. The bottle ninja's up there, sort of reclining on Bucky Badger's lap. They're all looking out for us, folks. They're all looking out for us. And of course, you know, Badger flags and yeah. We're good. We're good. Because you know what? It's here. The season is finally like now. It, it hasn't started, but it is not necessarily the beginning of the end. It's the end of the beginning for this summer, because on Wednesday the Badgers are going to start their football fall camp down in Platteville, Wisconsin. Um, if any anyone is so inclined, they may you know wander around Platteville and try and see their favorite Badgers floating around. But I doubt you'll see them because they're in camp. Pretty sure they're they're restricted. But you can wander down there and say you were there anyway. Better than not saying you were there. Help give Platteville a boost, people. Anyway, we also have some other like general news to talk about, including some NFL Badger news that I'm going to dig into a little bit. Uh, mostly though, we're just we're just going to talk a little football. Just talking a little bit about football. Um did want to make a note uh this um next week i'm going to start dropping uh opponent previews with an expert from the opposing team uh about every two or three days uh leading right up to uh kickoff with buffalo so you'll be able to see some get some expert opinions on uh who is going to be um showing up as 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 a as an opponent on the Badger schedule, we got some good stuff. We're going to have uh, previews from uh, the voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles uh, is going to be one of the uh, folks that you're going to be hearing from. Uh, I've got various experts lined up for Big Ten teams. Not Minnesota yet, though. I'm going to have to approach that very carefully because my uh, my podcast slash Twitter account historically does not get along with, with Gopher fans and their Twitter accounts. So... I'm sorry, X. The accounts are X. They're just X. Never mind. Anyway, on the on the uh, app formerly known as Twitter, I've had some had some beefs, some 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 rumbles, some roll downs with some Gopher fans. So I'm going to have to very carefully approach who I want to have come on and talk a little about the Gophers, as though we need to know more about them, but we kind of do. So that's coming up. I've got a men's soccer interview coming up uh, as well that's going to get released uh, in the next couple of weeks. Their season is starting very soon, middle of August. And we'll also, we're also still trying to hook up a women's soccer interview. I think I'm going to do the team previews myself with what whatever I can find out about the men's and women's soccer team. I think that's going to come up next week. Coming up on August 4th. We have the first event of the Wisconsin Sporting Calendar, which is a women's soccer exhibition game. So that's coming up, too. Um, I'm not going to put too much stock in exhibition games because they're exhibition games. They don't really mean anything. But we're going to we're going to do some uh, do some stuff for the soccer team. Also going to try and do some stuff for the women's volleyball team. So exciting, exciting stuff coming up. Let's waste no further time. Uh, it's time for the beer roundtable. Well, it's really a, you know, it's a beer chair. I'm the only guy here. Uh, I have here with me 
from Gravity Box Brewing Company, which is located in Mauston, Wisconsin. I didn't even know Mauston had a brewery. I was driving around the other day, drove through there, saw it, said, I got to stop. And I did. This is their train whistle raspberry Belgian wit beer. So anyone who knows a, a wit, it's it's a wheat beer. For those of you who aren't versed in, in Belgian or, uh, you know, uh, beer styles. Wit beers are, um, this one, I don't know if my camera can even pick it up, how, how nice it is. It's very opaque, very cloudy, as a wit beer should be. It's got a very golden hue with a tint of red to it which I'm going to guess is probably the raspberry in it. But um, it's very malty, very sweet. Um, you do get some, some. I think I can taste some faint vanilla in this one, along with the raspberry. Um, it also has a lot of, of herbal flavors to it. So it's got a very, very zesty taste. Like wit beers, don't, they don't punch in the mouth like an IPA. They, they, they tickle your mouth. They're kind of like, hey, here we are. And you'll notice. You'll notice them right away. This is very good. Um, I had to take a sip myself. Um, the head has vanished. I poured this a few minutes ago, so there's not much head left to it. But it had a decent amount of, of foam to it. It tastes very smooth, very crisp. It's, it's another of the classic summer beers. And as summer is winding to a close, we're kind of getting into Oktoberfest season here in a couple of weeks. Um, it's nice to still have some of these, um, you know, refreshing. If you're not a Shandy fan or a cider fan, wit beers are are the perfect thing. If you like a little bit of sweetness, this one happens to be infused with fruit. So it's also, you know, it's going to be sweet beyond that. Definitely can taste the raspberry in it, though. Prost, people. Anyway, that is our beer for the week. Um if you feel, feel free to go check out uh, Gravity Box if you're in the Madison area or you're just in Wisconsin and you're wandering around. Mauston, Wisconsin, up about half an hour past, 20 minutes past uh, the Dells, if you're going north towards um, towards the Twin Cities. This is their can. I like their can. It's very, very nice and basic. I love the fact they're still writing in marker. It's not, it, they're, they're not corporate yet. They have their own logo, but everything has to be handwritten. It's even got the date that it was canned. Lovely. All right, let's get to some football. Jim Leonard, former Wisconsin defensive coordinator and then interim head coach. Prior to that, uh, three-time All-American. Uh, everyone knows Jimmy Leonard. Uh, is going to actually be taking a job this year. I had kind of thought that that had that by the time June rolled around, it was pretty much past the time where he'd get a job anywhere else, but he's gotten one. And it's not necessarily coaching. He has become an, a senior analyst for the Illinois Fighting Illini. Yep, he's been reunited with Brett Bielma. And, uh, you know, uh, let's let's pray to God that... Um, Jimmy's not sitting anywhere that, that Bert wants to sit down because I don't want him to be crushed to death. But Brett Bielma brought him in, good old Bert, and uh, he'll be advising the Illini defensive coordinator, Aaron Henry, another ex-Badger, probably advising their defensive backs coach, Antonio Finellis, another former Badger. Because evidently Bert can't get enough of bringing ex-Badgers in with him. 
So he's going to try and beat us with his own magic. It worked, uh, or our own magic. It worked last year for him. So maybe, maybe this year. I hope not. I really hope not. But we'll find out. Uh, anyway, so this was this was probably almost unavoidable. I just expected to avoid it because it was so late in the year. But you know, it's almost it'll be August tomorrow, and I was not expecting uh, Jim Leonard to jump on something last week of July, but he did, and he's back in the game, which only leads me to believe he's going to be actively searching for a top defensive coordinator role next year. Uh, if not uh, in college, then in the NFL, and maybe even a head coaching gig if he can find one. Um, Paul Chris Tree has not been very fruitful in terms of providing head coaches, but uh, as if Jim Leonard can get some jobs somewhere else and gain some more experience in how to run a program, he's still very, very young. So um, he can still get that experience, go on, go on to bigger things. I do not. I do not expect him to wind up being with the Illini for more than a year. If he's with them for more than a year, something's gone seriously wrong. So we'll we'll see what happens. Um, my favorite phrase. We'll see what happens. Um, but this at least allows him to be within range of his home here in in Madison. So he. I don't think he's going to have to uproot his family and move down to Champaign. God forbid. But. Um, yeah, they, they should they should uh, grow up in a civilized area, not Champagne. Uh, so that was the big that at least I thought that would be the big Badger news. And then this last weekend, there's been a festering problem in the NFL recently with top running backs and how they're paid and how they are used. Um, running backs used to be the most valuable position in the NFL. We're talking like, you know, as as late as like 15 years ago, maybe even 10 running backs would get paid top dollar. They get after their rookie contract, they get like a five-year deal worth millions of dollars. And that was because they were often, if you, (laughs) excuse me, if you had a bell cow running back, someone who could plan all three downs, you were considered to have it made. And Increasingly, the NFL has gone away from that, whether it's due to uh, running backs getting injured and then, you know, not being worth the cost or just in general, you know, trying to trying to uh, hold down costs on other positions so they can pay their quarterbacks. Um, NFL teams have increasingly gone to rotations, three or four different running backs or at least two and then not paid them as much and paid them in shorter term contracts once their rookie deals were done. And there's been an epidemic uh, this season in particular with um, running backs getting released, you know, still in, for the most part, the prime of their careers, their mid mid and uh, late-ish 20s. Most running backs, once they reach um, 29, 30, start to break down after a while. They've usually been in the league for eight years. Eight years of pounding takes a lot out of a running back's body. So a lot of these uh, big-time running backs, Dalvin Cook was an example, uh, released by the Vikings. Uh, He was their entire offense when he was healthy. So um, it was was really a shock for that to happen. And now um, there's been a lot of stink raised by a lot of the star running backs in the NFL saying, what are you doing? You're devaluing us, you know, at a position that's really sort of vital. I realize as passing offenses have come along, 
NFL running backs have sort of, you know, they've, they've been devalued, especially the big pounders uh, have been devalued for smaller running backs that can be broken out wide or who can pick up a block and then drift into the, the short range area where they can pick up a pass and get a few yards. But um, those big running backs are still pretty valuable on your team. If you can get a good running game going in the NFL, especially with how much defenses are uh, focused on the pass, uh, you've, you've got something going. But anyway, Jonathan Taylor has not been caught up in this. Uh, JT was uh, did not get an extension on his rookie contract yet. And just decided, you know what, with everything that's been going on, I'm I'm not I'm not playing until I get my money. And now um, the Colts have reported that he showed up with a pre-existing injury, to which uh, Jonathan Taylor has responded, "I did not show up with a pre-existing injury." Uh, so it's a mess. Uh, the owner, Jim Ursay, has said some not very uh, kind things about Jonathan Taylor, something to the effect of, uh, you know, if Jonathan Taylor's out of the league in four years, who will remember him? Or, you know, mm-hmm. words to that effect. Just basically saying, you know, these running backs, they aren't important anymore, which is kind of an, uh, pardon my French, asinine thing to say about uh, your employees but the NFL owners are not exactly shining paragons of labor values. So anyway, the, uh, the NFL is, is uh, shortchanging its running backs from the sound of it. And Jonathan Taylor has been caught up in this uh, ex badger. Great. As we all know, uh, it's, it's a shame. It's, it's really irritating to know that, you know, that he's not being valued for, for what he is. And that's an outstanding, you know, three down running back with incredible speed. He had a near MVP performance his second year. And now he's just sort of stuck um, at the tail end of a contract that's not paying him enough. So we'll see if he gets his payday or not. Um, I have a feeling a lot of running backs are going to wind up settling for a lot less money than they actually should be paid just so that teams can continue to pay exorbitant, ridiculous salaries to, you know, aging quarterbacks for the most part, or young quarterbacks that, you know, have have even more value now in the NFL. You know, we're talking like $45 million contracts, which is, of course, ridiculous. But that's the news with Jonathan Taylor. That's our, that's sort of our football news and notes. Um, Recruiting news on uh, this last Saturday, July 29th, the Badgers had a junior day. They called it Bucky's Barbecue. And I pray to God their food was better than the uh, event that Michigan had in Ann Arbor because we got to see a plate of their food. And it was it was stuff that I serve when I'm in a hurry uh, to my kids before I'm before we're dashing out the door to go somewhere. Uh, it was it was not impressive. So hopefully our, our spread was better here at Wisconsin. But um, they they apparently did a scavenger hunt. Um, had a lot of fun doing that, driving around with golf carts. Apparently some of some of the assistant coaches are maniacs, uh, which kind of makes sense if you think about it with a few of our assistant coaches. But um, we had a, a ton of players here. Uh, Michael Roski, I think it's Roski. R-O-E-S-K-E-N, Roski, Reski, something to that effect, Enzinski. 
um, who is from Watoma, Wisconsin, was here. He is a 247 composite four-star, not the number one lineman in the state. That's Owen Strebig, who is unfortunately at Notre Dame's event because I don't know reasons. Uh, but he was here. Um, coaching staff must have made a good impression. He certainly did tweet about it enough, uh, or X about it, I guess, if you want to call it that. I don't even know what tweets are supposed to be called anymore. Curse you, Elon Musk. Um, also, Cooper Catalano, a three-star linebacker who I believe is from Germantown, uh, over in the Milwaukee area, was also here. Uh, a bunch of prospects from Illinois made it up. Uh, Jalen Williams, who's a really good defensive end, national recruit, 6'6", 290, was here. Um, there were a few others. There were a few others. Uh, Remington Moss, the cousin of the late Brent Moss, also, also paid us a visit. Um, Trey Poteet actually uh, was up here. Um, he's the son of former cornerbacks coach Hank Poteet which has to be a little bit, you have to think that's a little weird when you show up, uh, you know, at your dad's ex-workplace and there's there's somebody new there. Um, it's got to be a little weird just to, <laughs> and be like, hey, I'm thinking of coming to this university. Um, Poteet is actually a pretty good cornerback prospect, 6'1", about 100, somewhere between 185, 190 pounds. So sort of in the mold of cornerbacks that Wisconsin is looking for. Uh, Remington Moss, also 6'2", 180. So, you know, right in that wheelhouse where he could either play safety or maybe play uh, a big cornerback. Excuse me, sort of that Vernon Woodward uh, before he decommitted, what I'm sure they were envisioning his role as. So Wisconsin uh, actually had... They had several other players, not all of them I can name. Cameron Flowers was here, the speedster out of West Bloomfield High School. He's a wide receiver, another 247 composite four-star. If Wisconsin get him, that would be a big deal because he's probably one of the top wideouts in the Midwest. And just blazingly fast. Um, maybe not a 4-3-40, but definitely, definitely speedy. Uh, who else do they have? Ah, Brock Schott. Brock Schott's a four-star composite tight end uh, from, uh, I believe it's Leo, Indiana. God, I hope I'm not saying that wrong. I'm pretty sure it's Leo, Indiana. Uh, 6'3", 215, so he's more of an H-back type tight end, but another potentially exciting weapon in the passing game. Um, based on what, what I've seen, it sounds like he's really highly considering Wisconsin, which would be a huge uh, grab after getting Grant stuck in this current 2024 cycle to add another four-star tight end in 2025 would be tremendous. So there were no quarterbacks. Um, Landon Locke did not, uh, did not get up here. Uh, there were no other quarterbacks brought in. So he's pretty much it, but he was not available for this event. Uh, Wisconsin's really got to focus in now on trying to uh, get as much done as they can here in August, wrapping up their 2024 class and uh, hopefully scheduling some unofficial visits for those 2025 players that they're going after. Uh, if they have as good a season as they think they're going to have, they're going to want people watching it uh, live so that they can see it for themselves. And a lot of these players are impact players that the Badgers really want to get. So that was, that was the July 29th uh, weekend 
uh, recruiting news. They did make one offer. Uh, hold on a second. It's Peter Lange. I always want to say Peter Lange for whatever reason. Uh, Lange, a 2025 offensive lineman out of California. Massive, massive kid. Um, from Archbishop Reardon High School in San Francisco. 6'4", I'm sorry, it's not 6'4", 6'6", about 320, 330 pounds. So he's already the biggest kid. When you look on his huddle film, it's like, well, which which one is he? Well, look for the uh, look for the really big guy. That's him. So it's kind of not difficult to pick him out. Uh, his huddle highlights all seem to be uh, just from single games, so it's kind of hard to piece them all together. But he's just a massive big dude. Um, looks at it. Based on what I saw, just he's he's a prototypical guard that Wisconsin used to have in our in our system. Just a giant dude, uh, maybe a little tall for the guard position, maybe it maybe a touch, um, but he may he may boil down to six foot five, and then um, that's right in your perfect sort of weight range. I do not know that Wisconsin's going to be able to get him. Uh, he's a West Coast prospect, and all the West Coast schools are after him. Um, he's got a couple other offers. I think one from LSU. I think Penn State offered him because, of course. Um, so, yeah, he's he's going to be a wanted guy. And uh, still, I think when I looked at his rating, 247 doesn't have a composite on him yet. He was rated like an 87, so a high three-star. Uh, I'm sure that grade will go up uh, based on the number of offers he has and the fact that he's got no composite means they, that – not everyone has scouted him yet. The other services apparently haven't. So we're going to see what his rating winds up being. But he might very quickly price himself out of Wisconsin's range based on the offers he is getting. Which brings us to our topic of the week. And it's Big Ten expansion, which everyone thought was going to quiet down and be dead just even a month ago. Uh, the, the new Big Ten commissioner, Tony Petiti, has been asked about Big Ten expansion. He has said repeatedly, we're not worried about that. We're just worried about integrating USC and UCLA into the Big Ten for all of their different sports. And um, it, it, all of a sudden, these rumors are shooting out of nowhere. And what kicked it all off was Colorado, uh, you know, Colorado, whose only claim to fame in the last 10 years has been hiring Deion Sanders. Uh, they are all of a sudden uh, the kicking off point for a new round of expansion, it's sounding more and more like. Uh, the Pac-12 can't get their stuff together. Uh, George Klyavkov, their commissioner, keeps promising that they're going to have a media rights deal and then not producing a media rights deal leading to speculation, which then leads him to promise again, we're going to have a media rights deal. It's going to happen any day now. Uh, I think this afternoon it was released that they'll have one out in 48 hours. We've heard this song and dance before. If he has one out in 48 hours, I'll be surprised. Not shocked, just surprised. Um, but anyway, Colorado couldn't wait any longer. They decided to jump ship the pack, the Big 12. Who would have thought the Big 12, which lost Texas and Oklahoma a couple of years ago, looked like it was going to get taken apart. Um, by the Pac-12 and, and other conferences uh, would survive and not only survive, but add on more members and thrive under Brett Yormark, their new commissioner. Um, he had actually came in now and poached Colorado because he went and snuck ahead of the Pac-12 in the media rights race and got a new deal signed. 
So while it's a fraction of what Big Ten teams get, it's like think less than half. Um, it's it's still a contract and it's still an actual concrete amount of money. Uh, whether the Pac-12 can match that, I don't know. Someone would have to be really crazy because the Pac-12 does not have nearly as much uh, excitement attached to it as the other four uh, Power Five conferences with USC, UCLA leaving, and now Colorado and these hints of instability, they're down to nine members. So it's not even really a Pac-12 anymore. It's a Pac-9. The rumors continue to swirl that Arizona is going to be jumping ship depending on what comes out as the media number. Now, if in the next two days they come out with a media contract, it's roughly similar to the, the Big 12's agreement and it provides some stability for the conference, then, um, you know, Arizona might very well stay, which would be kind of awkward for the Big 12, because I think they're kind of planning on getting Arizona. Brett Yormark wants to start the premier basketball conference among the Power Six basketball conferences, and he's looking at poaching teams from the Big East, uh, the Western Collegiate, the, the WCC, the West Coast Conference, I think is what it's called. Um I almost got bogged down in WCHA for a second there. Anyway, um, so he's trying to bag all of these um, all these basketball schools. Arizona would be perfect for that. I mean, obviously one of the top 10 basketball schools in the country. Uh, he really wants them. Their football program kind of ancillary to his desires, but it does expand their recruiting range out into the Southwest. And Arizona is becoming a real hotbed for high school football players, as is, of course, Southern California. So that's where that's where those rumors kind of kind of are floating around. And as soon as they talk about the Pac-12 getting dismembered, immediately Oregon and Washington come up. And some rumors were stating that, hey, you know, we are going to um we are, we are going to see, the Big 12 is going to see if we can peel off Oregon and Washington if this deal doesn't come through. Oregon and Washington want nothing to do with this, or at least they're humoring the Big 12. They have been wanting to go to the Big 10 for forever. Uh, ever since USC and UCLA both, that they've been standing at the Big 10's door with a bowl going, please, more for us. And the Big 10 just doesn't think that they add enough media value is what I've gathered so far. They fit the Big Ten's media footprint perfect, or um, um, program, I'm sorry, academic footprint perfectly. Both are AAU schools. Washington way more esteemed in, in research circles than Oregon is. But they both have solid football programs. The problem is they don't bring that much more value. And so it was felt they would kind of dilute the value of the Big Ten's media, current media deal if they were to be added. There was talk about adding them as a partial and partially investing them like at 60% or something like that, which would still be more money than what they are currently getting out of the Pac-12. But that's sort of on hold. Also, USC hates Oregon. And I don't know that Washington is going to jump ship. If any scenario where another Pac-12 school had to leave with Washington, it would probably be Stanford, which brings nothing to the football table or next to nothing to the football table but does bring the elite academic reputation as one of the top five universities in in the country. And also, you know, brings along the Northern California market um, for what that's worth. Um, But also also brings a bevy of women's sports programs that are elite 
uh, again, opens up more recruiting territory out west. So those were the three that were being rumored. And then a crazy rumor hit the internet just yesterday. And it was first reported by a uh, one of the reporters uh, for Barstool, I believe. And that is that the Big Ten was going to add this week, this very week, just after Tony Petiti got done with Big Ten Media Days saying we are not expanding any further, that this week Clemson, Florida State, Oregon, and Washington were all going to join the Big Ten. I don't know what to make of that. They said it was a serious rumor. Someone else verified that they had heard the same rumor. Uh, don't ask me which reporter did that. But um, so two fair, not not out there sources, not people who are, you know, like, like me, for example, <laughs> podcasting from my basement, but actual honest to God news reporters uh, reported um, that they were, that this was the stuff they were hearing. And I, for the life of me, can't figure it out. Um, and that's because it doesn't seem to lack a current, like, mode of thinking that the Big Ten you would think would be associated with. The Big Ten loves AAU schools. Miami in the ACC recently got added to the list of AAU schools, of elite academic research schools. And North Carolina is a member of the AAU. Virginia is a member of the AAU. Duke's a member of the AAU. Uh, but Clemson and Florida State are, are definitively not. Florida State, from what rumors I've heard, is that they're trying to make themselves a much more serious academic institution. In the 90s, they were just a party school. Uh, so they, they, reportedly, there's been some trying to serious, serious up the uh, Florida State academic requirements. Clemson has is nowhere near that serious about any of this. Um, they just bring a currently powerful football program. And Clemson was in the dumpster for years. Um, you don't bring in a school into your conference. Uh, there's the rumor that, you know, Colorado was brought in strictly because of Deion Sanders uh, getting hired there. And while that's a sign of intent, of serious intent, uh, Deion Sanders ain't going to be at Colorado forever. He's not that young. And he has his eyes set on much larger prizes than uh, just the head coaching job at Colorado. Um, Dabble Swinney is going to be at Clemson until he retires or, get, or has some disaster and gets fired. But Clemson wandered in the wilderness for like 30 years in between their um, last national championship in the 80s and the two they currently won. It might have been longer than 30 years. So they're really a good football school right now. You don't know if they're going to be able to sustain that. They are they are one of those blue bloods where you're not entirely sure if they are going to have staying power. Uh, but this is the rumor that was thrown out. I think it would be way more likely for North Carolina and Virginia to join from the ACC into the Big Ten. First of all, they've got to figure out how to get through the thicket's nest that is the ACC grant of rights contract, which doesn't expire until 2036. And ESPN very kindly locked in the ACC schools for a, what is now a minuscule amount of money. Um, again, less than half of what Big Ten schools are making, and maybe roughly half of what SEC schools are making. The SEC, neither the SEC nor the Big Ten, I don't think would turn down Clemson or Florida State. But I think it's much more likely that the Big Ten uh, chancellors, the, the, the heads of their institutions, 
would much rather have a North Carolina or a Virginia or maybe even a Miami. Um, those are the sorts of schools that sort of ring a bell because they are serious academic institutions. North Carolina is a brand. Virginia is not necessarily a brand, but it fits in the Big Ten's footprint. Uh, Miami is, you know, Southern Florida. Everyone wants to get into the Southern Florida recruiting areas, and everyone would like to have a presence, a a nice place where they can fly down for a a game in October or November and uh, just chill in, in South Florida's baking hot temperatures. But I, I really don't know how seriously to take that rumor of the four schools uh, joining the Big Ten. Um, that would bring the Big Ten up to 20. Um, people are talking about them adding divisions in if that happens. I don't think that's why would you end divisions now only to add divisions again after you just got done saying, actually, divisions don't help us. We're just going to be one big conference and rotate. So... The rumors are out there, and Florida State, everyone wants to be part of the Big Ten now. Uh, There's a thread on every single uh, 247 message board, for example, about um, Big Ten expansion. And every school either wants to be part of it or knows they aren't part of it and is is shaking a fist at the schools that are saying, you traitors, Oregon State fans hate Oregon even more now for them going panhandling to the Big Ten. Uh, Washington State and Washington, the same thing. And this is just the cutthroat world we live in with expansion. I don't think it's going to happen. I I, I can tell you that, that none of the none of it makes any sense because then there would have to be a renegotiation renegotiation of the contract. Somehow, Florida State and Clemson would have to get out without paying ridiculous sums of money, which it looks like they would have to if they tried to break the GOR. Um, I saw something floated on uh, on what was formerly known as Twitter, uh, talking about them paying off the huge amount of hundreds of millions of dollars in installment payments over a period of like, say, you know, five to 10 to 15 years. That doesn't seem like it would fly. You're just basically just flushing money down the toilet. I don't know that getting into the Big Ten is necessarily going to compensate you that much more that you're going to want to do that. So I really, when they included the ACC schools, I didn't believe it. And when they talk about the Pac-12 schools, if you, unless USC suddenly had a magic change of heart and unless, um, you know, Oregon and Washington just decided to help that we don't want to see any more of this uh, Pac-12 media deal that's supposedly floating around, I don't see that happening either. I think the Big Ten is kind of content to let stand where where it's at. But I, 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 I don't know what we're going to see in the next few days. Uh, August 15th is the deadline for schools to come out of their uh, contracts. So unless they get out on August 15th, they're staying put. So it's, it's a two-week deadline for teams to declare what they're going to do. Um, San Diego, at least for the ACC, I believe. Um, San Diego State tried to get out of their Mountain West Conference contract um, or their membership, uh, thought they were going to get invited to the Pac-12, and the Pac-12 said, why the Pac-12 would say no to anyone wanting to come to their conference that has a football program with a pulse is beyond me. But they said, no, we don't really need to expand. We're fine at 10 teams when they had 10 teams. Um, So San Diego State very nearly got left without a home. 
uh, because they prematurely thought that they should just tell everyone we're, we're leaving, goodbye. Uh, so ex Big Ten expansion, either it's going to happen in a startling and enormous manner. I'll, I'll go from the pro angle of it. It would be an enormous, shocking upset of the football landscape, even more so than USC and UCLA joining um, the Big Ten or Colorado and say Arizona leaving the Pac-12 for the bit for the um, for the Big 12. Um, Florida State and Clemson are two of maybe like four or five of the, the best programs that are left out there for expansion targets. And at getting them would absolutely hamstring the SEC because it would leave them with options that they don't really want. Um, outside of um, probably North Carolina, I'm sure they want, um, just because of the brand for North Carolina. Virginia Tech's another school that they would definitely want, Virginia. Uh, but they wouldn't be, it wouldn't be as glamorous for a conference that prides itself on its football reputation to lose out on Clemson and Florida State, who are the two most obvious candidates to join the SEC out of all the ACC schools. Uh, so that would be a shocker. And then Oregon and Washington leaving the Pac-12 would essentially kill the Pac-12. They wouldn't be able to survive anymore. They'd be down to seven schools, maybe even six if Arizona left. At that point, it's not a viable conference anymore. It's got Utah and then a bunch of schools that aren't very good at football. So at that point, I think the Pac-12 would dissolve. Uh, so either the Pac-12 and the ACC are about to go on their deathbeds this week, or a bunch of reporters are going to look very foolish for spreading this rumor around. But one way or the other, uh, Big Ten expansion has taken over the news again. I love talking about it, Big Ten expansion. I have my own plans, but I'm not going to discuss them. So that is the landscape of, of ex college football expansion as it is now. Um, would love, 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 love for uh, some of you folks to fire me an email about it. Uh, Buckycast43 at gmail.com. You can follow us at the Buckycast on X. I guess I'll call it X, what you used to know as Twitter. Uh, otherwise, uh, we do have our YouTube channel, just the Bucky Cast. Uh, we are on Instagram. I haven't done much with Instagram yet. I'm getting there. I'm getting there, okay? Uh, but otherwise, yeah, mostly, mostly we are available on X and uh, through our YouTube channel. Uh, you can catch us on Spotify, obviously, uh, but... Other than that, uh, it looks like this is another uh, another week in the books. Uh, we'll have much more content coming up, like I said, in the next two to three weeks, because we've got a bunch of uh, team previews to go over. And uh, not only that, for, for men's soccer, for women's soccer, for women's volleyball, and then on top of that, we've got all these opponent previews that I'm going to put out there. Some good, good stuff in those. Like you'll learn a little bit of something about, about some of the Badgers' opponents that you may not have known. So always good information. Uh, once again, this is John with the Bucky Cast saying, peace out, people.